Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. talk today about the things that your mother or grandmother tells you not to talk about at public gatherings. Okay, so we are going to talk about religion and politics. And so my mom is very clear. I have cousins that believe very differently than I do. And when we have extended family times, my mom is like, do not bring up religion or politics. And I'm like, Mom, we can have a kind and casual conversation. And she's just, and she's not this strong on very much at all, but she's like, we're not doing that. We are not talking about that, but we are gonna do that today. And so what I'm gonna ask you is, do y'all know what this is right here? Yeah, so it is a blood pressure monitor, okay? So over the course of this last week, we put in all of the chairs, blood pressure monitors or angst monitors or anger monitor, monitors, because we want to kind of know how you do when we flash some images up on the screen. Okay. So anyway, so we're going to kind of pay attention to what happens in our brain and our heart and our soul when I flash uh, these images up to you. So we'll start right here. Uh-huh. See, you just outed yourself. I just want you to know. Okay, next one. Okay. Everybody okay? We good? All right. Here we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's amazing. You just can't not do it, right? <laughs> just spike, spike, spike. Okay, it's amazing. Okay, next. What does that cross in the middle of that crowd do for you? Okay. Okay, I would imagine with this crowd, that's a little better, right? Just our, our group, okay, great. Okay, it was a little different first hour. This one got the most O's uh, in, in the first hour. So here's the thing I wanna talk about today is you were monitoring the spikes in your heart or the angst that was happening in your life. I wonder if the lenses that you have on are a political lens or are they a biblical lens? And so that's one of the things we're gonna be talking about today in an area, in a politically kind of charged environment that we're in, what, what lens do we have on? And the reality is, and so I'm just gonna tell you where we're headed. We as a church, especially in the United States, have got to put on biblical lenses in this area. It's so important for us as we can very easily get amped up in this arena. And so the problem is, is that we kind of set uh, boundary markers or we kind of tribe up according to people that think the same way we do. Some of those are kind of no big deal. Aggies and Longhorns, we kind of tribe up, right? That's not that big a deal. But we tribe up in some other areas that I'll mention to you. Ask yourself the question. Shelly talked about it. We kind of tribe up in terms of our school choice or what political party that we're a part of. Or we tribe up around different political figures. 
And so what that does when we tribe up is it just kind of puts us in an exclusive group. It kind of separates us and it makes us insiders or outsiders. And the problem is that we start throwing hand grenades at the group that's different than us. Whether it's political hand grenades of what we believe, whether it's morality, hand grenades, whether it's doctrinal hand grenades, and we never are able to have a conversation. And so as we throw those hand grenades across the line at each other, we shut people down, we become inapproachable, and we lose the opportunity for the gospel and for our lives to have influence. And so we're gonna talk about today about not just what our position is on things, but how do we approach people regarding our position? I think most of the damage is done, not on the position we take as Christ followers, but on how we engage people that believe differently than us. And we could even tell in our little experiment at the beginning when we showed pictures, oh, ooh, ah, right? And so how's the lens that we're doing? And is the biblical lens, we're gonna try to grow that and clear that up today. Last week, Derek mentioned uh, that there was a Barna study that the unchurched look at the church and there were three words, judgmental, hypocritical, and homophobic. And I just wanna tell you, it's not so much about the position that we take on these issues, it's about how we approach the folks that believe differently than us and we see them as fights to be won and not people to be transformed. And so that's what we are gonna spend some time on today. In this worldview series, we're asking three different questions. We're asking, what does the Bible say specifically about politics? Two, how do we respond in humility as the church? And three, how do we love as ambassadors of Christ? You just saw a great example, the Allmeyers and what they've done in the public school. So let's pray. Let's ask God's word to go to work in our hearts and in our lenses. So Father, thanks for your word that gives us a lot of uh, truth about how we respond in this arena. We need you, Father, to transform our hearts and our lives, how we think, how we believe, how we behave and act. Father, we just want you to, we want to look like you. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we dive in, for about the next 15 minutes, we're get your Bibles out and we are about to dive in and go hardcore into the scriptures, okay? But before we do, uh, I just want to give you an, um, an umbrella, a couple of umbrella verses that should inform how we respond to this area of politics. And so when we were, had our first children, we had twins first, and uh, as soon as they could talk, we taught them Galatians 5, 22 through 25, which is the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we really weren't smart enough back then to know that we had kind of chosen an amazing verse for all of their life. But I think sometimes in the political arena, we think that that doesn't apply. For whatever reason, we just kind of pull it out and say, well, when it comes to politics, I don't have to be that loving, right? I don't have to do that. Another passage that you're all familiar with, 1 Corinthians 13 just says, uh, if, if, 
it, I'm putting it in the language of our day, but if we have a perfect doctrinal position or we have a perfect political position, but we don't have love, we're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and people don't listen and they see us as enemies and Christ would have us be something very different. He would have us be ambassadors. And so we don't get to take an area off from the fruit of the spirit. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna try to, I would love for us as a body, the City Bridge family to lock in on five points that help us biblically frame how we look at politics. And if we can get this in our brain and in our heart, I think it will help us in conversations. And so the first one, and I'm gonna give you the best blood pressure medicine you've ever gotten. And you don't even have to pay for it or go to a pharmacy. Okay, God is sovereign. Okay, it's gotta be at the top of your biblical worldview. Okay, Daniel 2, 20 through 22 says this. Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings who removes kings and establishes political leaders? God does. He's in charge of all of that. He gives wisdom to wise men, knowledge to men of understanding. And is he who reveals the prof profound and hidden things, he knows what is in the darkness. Think about that in this political arena. He knows the corruption that's happening. He knows the image management that's playing out, he knows the lying, the coarse jesting, the name calling, the stuff that kind of amps us up, he's aware. He knows all of that, he's sovereign over all that. Proverbs 16, four says, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. God is in charge, even of the folks that wickedness and evil is in their hearts. And then Proverbs 21, one is just a reminder. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. And so if you've been around our family for a while here at City Bridge, you know, I talk about this a lot. It's a planned biblical response. I have a folder on my desktop of my computer and in it, I have all kinds of pages that's just a planned biblical response to something, anxiety, fear. But the one I use the most is this one. I pull it out and anytime I start doubting that God is in control, I pull that out and just remind myself of some of those verses, three of them we just went over. Oh yeah, even evil, even wickedness, God is in control over. And so if you haven't done that, it's such a good idea. I'm really simple and kind of how I live my life with Jesus because my head gets out of whack and starts leaning towards, you know, things I shouldn't be leaning towards and the scripture just brings us back. And so make a planned biblical response on God's sovereignty. Here's the summary. If your person didn't get elected, God's got it. If Russia invades Ukraine, God's got it. God's got his people over there in the midst of missiles that are hitting within 100 yards of apartment complexes. No, oh, another way, good blood pressure medicine. God is gonna judge evil. He's gonna judge wickedness. Now we want it faster and according to what we think wickedness is, but he, but he is going to do that. 
<clears throat> it gets a little more personal. Your kids walking away from the faith in the teenage years, God's got it. Your spouse gets a bad diagnosis on a test, God's got it. And so the best political blood pressure medicine you can get is to dive in, not only have them written down, not only have them memorized, but have them deep in your heart so that you respond out of God's sovereignty. Number two, Christians have one king and are citizens of two kingdoms. So Philippians 3.20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven for which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty clear, we're citizens of heaven. First Peter 2, 9 through 12, several verses here, but hang with it because it's so good. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the purpose. God has set us apart as Christ's followers to proclaim the excellencies of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you once were not a people, we look like everybody else, okay? but now you are a people of God. You would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy because of what Jesus did. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, this is not your home. You're citizens of the United States. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so though those that are different, that are not Christ's followers, so that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, we see that happening more and more, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So here's the summary. You're a citizen of heaven and Jesus is your king. No questions asked. That's your king if you are a Christ follower. You're a citizen of the US and Joe Biden is your president. Jesus is Jesus, Jesus, the Lord of all the universe. Joe Biden's a sinner. Just like every other president that's ever been in that office. They're sinners, and it is not gonna be okay until Jesus comes back and is ruling over everything. So here's what I want you to know. It's not surprising that we're living in tension. It's just not a surprise because we're citizens of two different kingdoms. And so it's not comfortable living in a largely godless land, but it gives the gospel greater opportunity because the more extreme the darkness gets, the more extreme the light gets, and it gives people a chance to say, oh yeah, look at those people walk in peace, walk in God's sovereignty in the midst of missiles flying over our country lines. One king, two citizenships that we have. And so I've told my told really our, our family for years around here, just in different things, especially when we're doing parenting stuff, that, uh, that we are either, as a people of God, the revivalists or we're the remnant. It's one of those two things. And so we've kind of claimed for at least my early years that this was a Christian country that we lived in, whatever, whatever that means. And so even today, 50% of the people will tell you that they are Christians, okay? But here's the reality. 
And it may be even different now. It's been two or three years since I kind of looked some of, some of this stuff up. But if 50% say they're believers, only 7% truly believe that Jesus is the only way to reestablish a relationship with the Father and that the Bible is authoritative. 7%. Welcome to the minority. It's why we feel the tension that we feel in our culture. We're citizens of two different kingdoms and we're a minority in one of those kingdoms. And there is tension there. Number three, government's created by God to promote good and restrain evil. Let's look at Romans 13, one through four. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Every person's to be in subjection to the governing authorities. We'll skip down to verse four. It says, for it is a minister, meaning the government, it, for it, the government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right, to promote good, to restrain evil. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. So folks, this is just something that's really clear in scripture, that we are to obey the governing authorities. And it begs a lot of questions, okay, for us. What about, what about when the government goes wicked or corrupt? Well, if you go back to Rome, back in the days of Jesus when this was written, that government was incredibly corrupt. It was totalitarian, and the citizens had very few rights. And so that passage is as much for us today as it was for them back then. And so how do, you, how do you live in a world that's moving in a culture that's moving more and more away from God as a Christ follower? Well, we're not gonna go into it today, but a couple of weeks ago, Jeff did a great job with Daniel 1, uh, verses eight through 20. And if you'll remember, he gave us a, two or three points. He just said, number one, Daniel understood the culture where he was exiled to. So he was knowledgeable about where he was living, what he was living in, how the government worked. I'm sure he knew that. So he was educated, he learned. <clears throat> Secondly, he offered better ways. So he just said, hey, this is what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, prefect of the, the Caesar or whoever, whoever was in charge, you want this outcome. Let me, let me give you another idea to come up with another outcome. And then he maintained his faith and never compromised his convictions. We're gonna come back to Daniel towards the end of the message. Number four, government and church have distinct roles. So there's three pillars in our society. One is the family. It's the building block of society where we learn how to care for ourselves 
and we care for others. And so the last 10 days at City Bridge, I'm proud to stand up here and say, last week, Jeff did a great message on marriage the building block of the family. We just spent the last 48 hours with 400 people at a parenting conference trying to build the roots of our kids even deeper so that as this culture continues to move away from godliness, our kids are gonna be able to withstand and stand up for who they are and what they believe in as Christ followers. And so the family, the church is to love God and love others and make disciples. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. I'm not gonna put it up, but you're familiar with it. Love God and then the second commandment similar. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples. G-O, go, get out. Go and make disciples. And then as we've said before, the government's role is to promote good and restrain evil. Here's the problem. The roles are distinct, but these all have a a profound impact on each other. Our government is increasingly, our society increasingly are trying to expand the role of government to play the role of the family and the church. It's called, my my phraseology is government overreach. Okay, they're stepping into areas that are set aside, have always been for years and years for the church. And so to be fair, the family and the church are failing to do their jobs. And so it's been true over hundreds and hundreds of years. Whenever the family and the church leave a vacuum, the government is gonna step in and do government overreach, okay, in order to make that up. And so the problem is not the government. The problem in our culture today is the church and the the breakdown of the family. And so as we check our blood pressure and we see images come up on that screen, it's because we're angry with them because they, they haven't led us in the right direction or they haven't done the right things. And before we start pointing the finger out there, the finger needs to go right here to to our families and the church. You see, government can't solve the problem of human depravity. It's not powerful enough. It can't change the human heart. And it's not, the government is not the hope of the world. It's not the hope of our country. The only hope we have is in Jesus and the transformation that he brings in the lives of human hearts. So just for a minute, I just wanna tell you what some of the things that are happening around here, right? As we have started to grow our city engagement footprint. So the church, okay, should be doing what we're doing in small measure and wanna do in a much larger measure. So if you're not a part or haven't been, uh, understand what's happening at the clinic, our City Bridge Urgent Care, it's amazing what's happening. We are loving and caring for vulnerable people from all over the world who don't know Jesus. And if you haven't been in there, there's a pillar in the middle of that clinic with names written all over it about people that have crossed the line of faith in the clinic. And it's written there. Whenever you go to a doctor's office, you see the different colored flags that are outside every single exam uh, cl- every single exam room, right? And, we, and most of them have three. Nurses been in, doctors been in, 
uh, and the administration's done. We've got four. And the fourth, fourth one is, have you engaged in a spiritual conversation? We don't separate the care for your body with the care for your heart and your soul. We would love to start multiple clinics around here because we need to be doing what the church has done for 1800 years and we've backed off from that. What's happening in our neighboring ministry. So if you'll remember in September, we kicked off neighboring. Basically, if you're new here, what that is, is we've divided all the areas around City Bridge into zones and we have zone ambassadors. And so a couple of weeks ago, we got word in one of our zones that a house had burned down and was affecting the kids uh, that were going to the school in that area. And so our zone ambassador basically emailed all the City Bridge people that live in their zone and said, hey, this family's struggling and we're, let's, let's do some gift cards to take care of needs and things like that and replacing things that were burned up. And so a bunch of those people in that zone sent money, City, City Bridge sent money, okay, to it. And then we went to the school and West folks and the Neelys just kind of said, hey, this is from our church, right? We wanna help these people because of what's happened to them. We've gone from two zone ambassadors in September when we launched to 20 people that are owning their neighborhood so that the gospel, so that the church can do what the church is supposed to do. Number five, one of Satan's schemes is to get Christians to trust in men and government and then to divide us across tribal lines. It's one of his strategies. Second Corinthians 10, three through five says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We saw the pictures. Our first thought was, I don't like the way they're leading their country. Our fight's not against flesh and blood. Our fight's in the heavenly realms is where it is. Our first thought ought to be pray, right? I wanna make a difference in the way our country and the way these political leaders lead. The first thing we've gotta do is pray. And it doesn't mean we don't engage. We're gonna talk about that here in a second. Okay, but the first thing we need to do is be praying. And so how do I, the last question, how do I respond in humility? And just a reminder, Galatians 5 still matters. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we engage, those things are still ruling our hearts. And I've been saying that the church has blown it. And so if the church has blown it, who's blown it? I've blown it and you've blown it because the church is the people of God. It's not a building, it's us have blown it. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to, we need to do some heart work personally. So if you're one of those folks that uh, draw really dark lines on your political position or your doctrinal position, and, and again, we have got to stand on truth. Don't hear me say anything but that, but if you're not willing to engage and listen to other people who think differently than you, and it's not marked with kindness, hello Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit, that's a problem. If we're not living that out. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And so we think confession and repentance is supposed to happen, oh, I don't know, every week or two, right? I'm just telling you, I need to confess and repent multiple times a day. I hear something on the radio. I read something when I'm scrolling through my phone and my heart starts moving, okay? And it starts and I find myself just like, oh, it's their fault. And here's what's happening. And I don't stop and pray. And so daily confession and repentance multiple times a day, lots of times it's around political stuff for me, just so you know. Second, we've got to examine how we respond to conflict or how we respond to this political arena. And so some of us would show up in the ignorant category, which is, hey, I just don't know how our government works and how, um, how, how influential my vote is and all of those kind of things. And I would say, let's, let's learn something. Right, we're responsible as citizens of this country to learn something. Some of us are apathetic, okay? We, we know what we need to know, but we just don't wanna be bothered, right? We just, hey, I'm gonna, let that, I'm gonna let that go on. Well, that's what's happened for lots of decades in our country, and it's because that's, and that's led to where we are right now as a country, because a lot of apathy in our country. Some of us are angry, like our tribal lines have been crossed not biblical lines, tribal lines have been crossed and we react in anger. And then there's some of us that just have a dismissiveness, a dismissive self-righteousness. It's like, I know I'm right and I don't wanna listen to anybody else about their position. And we don't even engage and we don't even listen and we continue to stay tribed up when the Lord would have us be ambassadors. Next, we need to examine our conversations. Are they marked by truth and grace and kindness? Not backing off in fear, not shutting down people in anger, but engaging. Romans 2, 4 says this, it says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance? The kindness of God is what leads people to repentance. So our kindness is gonna be an asset to what God wants to do in people's hearts. James 1, 19 through 21 says, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And we stop there. If you've been through re-engage, it's a big deal, right? How we kind of handle conflict, but there's something else added on to that verse after. It says, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So what's the lesson? So if we are kind and we engage people and we listen, God's spirit goes to work. If you're not a great orator, okay, if you don't have all the information, it doesn't matter. You're not gonna change anybody anyway. It's the spirit of God using your obedience to him that is the power in people's transformation. It's what changes the human heart. It transforms the human heart. So last question, how do we, in this environment, how do we love like ambassadors? And I've already said it once, but I'm gonna say it again, and I'm gonna read a verse that just kind of crystallizes it for all of us. We pray. Second Chronicles 7, 14 just says, if my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Do you want your land healed? We pray. It's what the scripture tells us to do. I don't know, just a good thing that I've started doing in the last few months is I, I, probably, I probably spend 10 minutes, sometimes 15 a day, just scrolling through news, whether it's Reuters or Fox News or whatever that is. And, and I could even do that and feel myself getting amped up or something. And I've started using that where I, number one, I look at the faces in the pictures. And number two, I pray. As I read a headline, I'll just say a quick little prayer and look at those faces. Sometimes I click on an article and read it, okay? But just anytime I try to pick up my phone and I'm going through a news feed, I'm just trying to pray uh, what, what, just say, God, just accomplish what you want to accomplish in that situation, in that part of the world or whatever that is. It's just been a helpful thing. The second thing is we need to learn. We got to grow in our knowledge of how we can engage in politics. And so we've got amazing resources here. But before we talk about that, let me, just, let me just call all of us out, if I can. Okay, we have got, we have got to stop taking on the beliefs of political figures or even our friends without doing the homework, without going to your Bibles, without learning both sides of issues without talking to your community. So often we adopt what one guy says on a news show and we say we like that and that becomes our position. And we draw really dark lines around that particular position. So don't blindly adopt. Second, know where to go for resources and we are gonna help you on this. And so there is a worldview class coming this spring, starting on April 4th. We're gonna have friends down front that are gonna be leading these classes and things we're talking about. If you wanna know more, it'll be on the website. You can talk to guys personally today about, hey, how do I continue to, uh, to grow in this area? We're gonna do kind of a, the Colson Institute Fellowship Program. Like if you wanna dive in hard, on this thing, lots of reading, eight months. We're gonna have a buddy, Scott Harper, up here um, at the end of the service. And he, if you wanna go hard, that's what he wants to do. He wants to take a small group of people through the Colson Institute curriculum. And it's awesome, the curriculum is. We've got a Christians Engaged team that's part of our city engagement ministry. And they've got a class happening here called the On-Ramp to Civic Engagement. Can I tell you, if you wanna run for school board or PTA president or mayor or Congress or governor or president of the United States, we have a team here that can help you do that. Every step of the way, they can guide you in terms of how to do that. We've got a great team here and they've got so many resources. You can use our app every week. You can go back and listen to messages in the Worldview series. Questions after every message about, hey, ask, talk to your community group about these questions. So we vote, we learn, or we pray, we learn, we vote. Okay, Trish and I voted early, so do we even have to battle the lines this week? But it's, it's our chance in this citizenship that we're in in the U.S. to have influence. And so we vote. And the last thing we do is engage. And first we engage in conversations with those who think differently than you. So Shelly was up here. Shelly was like, hey, I don't want to engage that person in that conversation. 
but her passion and her vision and her love for Jesus moved her past that. And she began to engage in conversations with people that were different than her. And so can I just help you real simply? We use uh, kind of three questions around here. It's kind of commonly called the Columbo tactic. And when you're talking to people that believe differently than you, here's three questions, lock them in if you want. What did you mean by that? Hey, that's your position on gun control. What do you, what do you mean by that? Right? How'd you come to that conclusion? Chances are they adopted it from one person or somebody told them that was a good position. Third, have you considered or would you consider something different? It's just three great questions to guide conversation. So engage in conversations, engage in leadership positions. Ask God, hey, are you calling me to be involved in the public square? And so I have, I'm asking God, hey, am I doing what you want me to do right now? I think right now the answer is yes. But I've asked, hey, God, do you want me to do something different? Ask the same question. What does God want you to do? Spend your time. How can you be a part of engaging in how to love and serve our community? Lastly, be prepared for unreasonable people. When you engage in those conversations, I promise you, you are gonna run into people that are gonna be frustrated just because you have a position and specifically because you have a position that's informed by the scripture. Galatians 5 still applies. Love, joy, peace, right? We approach people with kindness and with love as we have those conversations. And just something that's been real helpful for me, and we do around here at times, we run into people that are really angry because of what we believe. And if you can take that, that thinking and say, hey, angry people or hurt people, it just helps. You know, if they're angry, there's some, the church has hurt them. They've got hurt from their family of origin, whatever that is. And if you can, you can push through that, you can push by that and say, hey, tell me your story. And you're gonna find out where that hurt comes from. And if it's the church, man, you're jumping in, you're saying, forgive us. Yes, we have blown it in that area. So be prepared for unreasonable people. And I'm gonna close with this. Let's go to Daniel 6, 26 and 27. We talked a little bit earlier in Daniel 1 just about how Daniel did what he did and he learned the culture and he offered better ways. He didn't ever compromise. Later on in Daniel 6, it says this, and this is King Darius. This is a pagan king. And he says, verse 26, I will make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Listen to that. For he is the living God and enduring forever. Again, this is a pagan. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lion's den. Look, there is no question that Darius got on board because God shut the mouth of the lion. There was an unbelievable miracle that took place for him to come around and at least see that there was a sovereign God. And so it's no different for us. Now, God may not shut the lion's mouth for us, but it still takes a miracle of God to transform the human heart. And Daniel's faithfulness and his trust and his willing to stand up 
in the midst of a government that was away from God, God used. God goes to work. And so I've got a couple of questions for you as we close here. And so are we as the church, the people of God, are we waiting on the government to solve our problems, to solve our social problems? And so are we as a church doing all we can? And so the reminder is that the government is now doing what the church has done for the last 1800 years. And because we haven't done our job, there's a vacuum and the government is filling it. And so here's the answer. There are so many people in this room, okay, that are not fully deploying time, talent, and treasure. And when I think, and this is a positive thing for me, when I think about our body, if every single person was fully utilized, and that doesn't mean compromise your walk with Jesus, it doesn't mean compromise your family, you don't do any of that. Those are our first priorities. But if you were fully utilized for the kingdom, do you know what would happen in Collin County and in Richardson, where a bunch of our folks live? There's no telling what would happen. And so my prayer as we leave today is that you would ask God, hey, where, where have I tribed up and drawn some inappropriate lines and dark lines? And how can God use me? Am I fully deployed for how God wants to use me to take the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into an ever-increasing dark world? Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.